Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. Well, look at this. I get to be with you on the first Sunday of 2024. Wonderful and happy new year to you all. Yes, the first one. And I thought that I would start this very first sermon of 2024 with a question, okay? All right. Will this be a happy new year for you? Will this be? Oh, maybe I'm done. Maybe in my job, I don't need to do this. I, I know, I, you know what? I know some of you in here are just God lovers to the core, faith-filled people. But if I were to take that question, it, will this be the question, will this be a happy new year for you? And let's say I were to take that out to the high street, right? Uh, commercial road, right? And I went out with my little microphone or whatever, a little clipboard or something, and I asked a portion of the population that question. I think that I would get a lot of these answers. Well, I hope so. And well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the future. I mean, I don't even know what I'm eating for dinner tonight. How am I going to know if I have a happy new year? I don't know. Um, and, um, and then other people might say, well, I really guess that depends on what happens in my life this year. You know, all very honest answers. Um, because nobody really knows if they're going to have a happy new year. Like I said, we, don't, we can't tell the future, right? We don't know the future. And to a lot of people, it's kind of like a lottery as you come up to each new year. Um, it's about luck, isn't it, for, for a lot of people, especially out in the world. We don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And they approach a new year with, you know, you're, it's exciting because it's a new year and it's a new beginning. But it's also like... You know, some really bad stuff can happen to me this year. You know what I absolutely hate? And I know it's necessary to do and all that, but they end the year on the news and on television with everyone who died in the year. And I think what a non-happy thing, although we honor their lives, so I get it, you know. But it's also like, hey, is this going to be my year? You know, like, it's sorry, I hope I haven't put that in anyone. Like, I hope when we come up to the next year, I hope I haven't just put a seed in your head. But, you know, these are the thoughts that go through people's head, right? Is it going to be a happy new year? Kind of hope so, you know? Okay. Well, now I've been a Christian for many, many, many years, since I'm a little girl. Um, and, um, and I've heard this preached and taught a lot. And actually just there's this kind of, it is spoken, but it's sort of an unspoken. You know, we Christians have lingo, don't we? We have our kind of own little language that, you know, once you've been a Christian for a while, you kind of get the lingo. And one of the things that Christians don't really like, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but I, but I think if you've been a Christian for quite a while, you, you'll understand. They don't like the word happy, right? God doesn't promise happiness. Happiness is of the flesh, right? This is, this is what people feel. God, God doesn't care about our happiness. I actually heard that. Like somebody actually said that to me once. And I'm sorry, but I probably actually have said that too <laughs> in the past. Um, because it appeals, it appeals to our fleshly nature, you know. Um, and that God is not really a God of happiness. Um, and some other reasons, um, and possibly valid reasons, I don't know, Christians have not liked to use the word happiness. Here are some. They think happiness is just a feeling uh, where joy is not. So joy is acceptable. Happiness is not. Okay. Happiness is fleeting. It means you can have it and then it's gone, you know, but joy is eternal. <laughs> okay. Happiness, like I said, is of the flesh, but joy is divine. It's from God, right? 
I just need to say right now that none of this is biblical. <laughs> it's not biblical. Um, because the Bible speaks quite a lot about happiness. Um, there are words that the in the original language from the Old Testament and from the New Testament that were used that the only way to translate it is the word happy. That's the word. In the Old Testament, it's the word asher. I know people who've named their, their sons asher. A-S-H-E-R. It means happy, okay, in Hebrew. In the New Testament, which was written in Greek, it's makarios. Again, it's happy. The word is happy. And do you know, um, many of you who know the Bible quite well, you know Jesus preached a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's like his most famous sermon. And he preached um, part of the Sermon on the Mount with these things called the Beatitudes, where he said, blessed are the, and he would say, you know, are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed. Did you know the word that he actually said was makarios, which is happy? Happy. That's right. To all those people who told me, that we are not allowed to be happy. Jesus preached a whole sermon on how to be happy. Okay. So um, if, if that's the case, why don't they just write happy <laughs> in the Bible, right? Like why don't, when they wrote the, when they translated the Bible, why don't they just use the word happy since that's what it means? Why do they always have to make it blessed or some other word, mostly blessed, okay? Which is a little bit more holy, isn't it? Um, because of all the reasons that I mentioned. That's why they didn't do it. And translators chose to use a more religiously appealing word. And you will rarely find a translation in the English language where they actually write happy because people get upset, you know, Christians who don't feel that's the lingo, when we say the word happy, okay? So, but it means happy. And you're allowed to think it, and you're allowed to... to say it when, when you read the Beatitudes or like the scripture I'm going to use today, you are allowed to put the word happy in there because that is what they actually said and that is what they actually meant. Okay. And, and in a way, think about it. You know how in our, uh, we've talked about this in the past, you've heard people talk about how our word love is so different from what the Bible says love is. Like, we love pizza. We love our spouse. We love our children. How could I love pizza and I love you, honey, my sweetheart, my love, be the same word? Would I love you like I love pizza? No. <laughs> no, no, no. The thing is, we don't understand what words mean like they were written in the Bible in their society. Our cultural experience has changed what we think of the word. So happy meant a little bit different than what we feel as happy. You see, when we think happy, we just think of this very warm, fuzzy feeling, and I feel good, and it's just a warm fuzzy, and I just want to be, I mean, there's not even, it's kind of an out there thought, isn't it? It's not, it's not very concrete. It's just, you know, I'm calling it a warm fuzzy feeling because there's just, it's hard to explain happy. But you see, God has an actual definition of happy, unlike this world and our society has. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, so we understand it, like I said, like this, this warm, fuzzy feeling. But God and the Bible speak of happiness um, uh, in, in a different way. And, um, and the thing is, he speaks of happiness, and there's this expectation in the Scripture that we are to be happy. There's this as in the scriptures. So I really don't understand why Christians just have, have decided we, we don't want this word, okay? 
Okay. Um, so what does happiness mean to God according to the word, according to the Bible? Because I'm always going to take it back to what God says it is. Because... Because to me, that's what it really means. Um, how are we supposed to know if we're going to have a happy new year if we don't understand what happy really means? Okay, so here is the Bible definition of happy. It means well-being and flourishing. It means flourishing and well-being. And, and it is not affected by circumstances. So, for example, when bad things happen, um, that doesn't mean that you are not happy, okay? And it shouldn't affect your happiness. And it is very similar to the word joy and joyful. And actually, in the Bible, there really is no difference between happy and joyful. And if you were going to try to pick apart from Scripture, well, happy means this and joyful means this, and they're totally different things, it would be it would be nitpicking because happiness and joy are so intermingled in the Bible. So God wants us happy, okay? God wants us happy with all that in mind, that all that I've just said, God wants us happy according to what the Bible says, well-being and flourishing in our life, not based on circumstances in our life, okay? So with all that I've said that, right, let's ask the question again. Will this be a happy new year for you, right? Well, I want to look today at Psalm chapter 1, and I'm only, there's six verses, but I'm only going to go read three for time's sake, the first three. Um, and this is God's answer. This is God's answer to the human question, how can I find happiness? Because that is a human question, isn't it? It is. I, I just want to be happy. If you ask people out there in the world, and I think even if you ask Christians, do you want to be happy? I think people would say yes. I want to be happy. Okay, um, so this is, this is God's answer. Now let's turn to Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read the first three verses. Um, and in my Bible, it's entitled, The Way of the Righteous and the End of the Ungodly. So no, uh, let's start. Blessed, mm, there's that word, happy, happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law he meditates day and night i love this bit here verse three he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper that let that verse 3 in the message paraphrase of the Bible is this. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a beautiful picture of a happy life? Uh, <clears throat> so in this, in this psalm, we learn that happiness, all right, in those three verses, is the result from our choice to fo follow God's direction in life. Now, I'm not reading the second half of Psalm, um, of Psalm 1 for time's sake, but the first three verses deal with the happy man who chooses a godly path. Who do, who, that, like it says, they don't sit in the counsel of the ungodly. They're not in the path of sinners. They decide they don't want to be in the seat of the scornful, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, the second half, the very negative half, is but the ungodly are not so. They're like the, the chaff that the wind drives away. 
That means the chaff is the outside of wheat when you beat it. It's the part you don't need. You need what's on the inside. That's what the ungodly, and, and let me just tell you, I'm not even going to read it. You read it at home. The end thereof, of, of the second three verses of the ungodly path, should you choose that one, is sad and hopeless and ends in nothingness, okay? So that's why we're concentrating on the first three. Hmm, okay. So the writer of Psalm 1 gives you two paths. I am going to assume that you're going to choose the good path, the godly path, path, the first three verses, and not the second path, okay? We're just going to make that little assumption right here. Because one is the right way, and that's God's way. And that, in the scriptures, leads to happiness. But the other path is the wrong way, and that's going to lead to misery. It's quite simple when you read it. Now, at our recent Ladies Away Day, a few months ago now, I guess a couple months ago, we spoke about a theme in the Bible of God as a gardener, okay? Throughout the Bible, you just see God as a gardener. Even in the book of Genesis, it says, and God planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and it was the garden that he intended for us, for human beings. He planted us a garden for us, and, and he did it out of love, and he wanted a beautiful place for us, right? And you're going to see throughout the whole of Scripture gardening imagery because God is a gardener. It's something he does. It's something he loves. And he speaks to us in the Scriptures with lots of gardening um, imagery, okay? Um, these are just two examples of many, 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 many examples I can give you. I cannot give you all those examples because if I did, I wouldn't finish. In, in um, the Old Testament, um, Moses had a brother. Now, you know Moses led the children of Israel, and his brother Aaron had a rod. It was like a, um, a stick. And um, God did miracles through this rod. One particular miracle he did with the actual rod, which was just a stick, was, um, and he did, God had his reasons for doing it. There was a point to it. But the miracle was that this rod, this stick that was just a stick, grew um, leaves and fruit and it blossomed. And God was showing us and them that he can do anything. When something is, is, given to God and is in the service of God and it's handed over to God. He can even turn a dead, dry stick into a living thing. Now, a stick is wood and therefore something that, a, you know, under the gardening. And because in the natural, does a stick just sprout just on its own? You know, no, it doesn't. There is no life there. But God can bring life to a dead stick. Another thing in the Bible, another popular one, is Jesus in the New Testament who is God, right? He used tree and gardening imagery. In John chapter 15, he talks about, um, he was with his guys and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you guys something just from, from nature. And he was talking about a vine. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branch, okay? And the branch, like the stick, needs to be in the vine if, if it's going to do anything, if it's going to prosper in any way, if it's going to live and blossom, right? In John chapter 15, it says if you're not connected to the main vine, you're just this dry stick out there on your own, that you're not going to produce any fruit. It actually says that you'll do nothing, it says. And the end thereof of such a stick, a dry stick like that, is the fire. That's the only thing it's good for, kindling. Mm. Throw it away. That's it. It's the end of it. Here in Psalm 1, right, 
we see what a happy life looks like to God. And when God tells me what he thinks something looks like in the Bible, what he says something, that, that makes me take notice. So here's what he says a happy life looks like. A happy life looks like this. Let's say you were having a conversation with God. Like a tree, and I've taken that tree, and I pulled it out of dry ground, and I stuck it in a wonderful place right by a river where water is just flowing. I'm adding this bit. That's not in the Bible there. I'm just pretending you're having a conversation with God. Hey, and you know, I've planted it there, and it's, it's getting all the water, the main life source that a tree needs, and its gr leaves are so green, and they don't wither. They don't wither at all. And whatever, whatever that tree does prospers. And the happy life, according to, to God, is a life where if you were that tree, and you are that tree, because it was imagery that meant to be us. He's not just talking about trees for the sake of trees. You'd be green, full of foliage, and full of fruit. But the main thing is you'd be bursting with life. Just bursting with life. And you know why that's interesting? Because that's, that's in the Old Testament, Psalm 1, right? You know what Jesus said in John 10.10? 10? Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. God is about life. Jesus is about life. And, and gee, God is telling us in the Old Testament and the New Testament that the position of this tree is just so wonderful. And that tree is you. And, that, and God wants that tree to be you, to have life, to have life. So what God wants for his children is a life that looks like that beautiful tree in Psalm 1 in every area of our lives. First and foremost in our salvation, in the inner part of us, who we really are on the inside. We were like this, and yes, I brought props today, and I hope I can get through this. I'm going to have to stand up because, all right, now I'm not trying to fool you, okay? This is plastic, all right, because I kill plants, and I'm very sorry about that. I might have to put them here. It's a plastic can you all see it? Here, I'll hold it up. I'll put it here. There you go. This, pretend, because I know you all have a great imagination. It's a little bit palm tree looking, so I thought this was the best plant, fake plant that I had um, to bring. Plus, my really nice living plant is like, weighs as much as me. I couldn't carry it in if I wanted to. So, I brought this nice thriving plastic plant, but let's pretend it's real. Okay, and I also brought this. <clears throat> that I found, me and my dogs found it, my dogs found this for me, it is a dry stick. And I have to be very grateful to this recent storm we had because I had my, so many sticks to choose from, um, but this is the one I decided to make famous today. Um, it is just a dry stick, see? Just a stick, nothing else. And this is a dry stick, okay? And here I am looking at you through the trees, right? Okay, okay. So what God wants for our lives is this, in every area of our life. And when I say every area of our life, I mean your marriage, I mean your health, I mean your thinking and your mental health, I mean your relationship with your children, I mean your finances, I mean everything that pertains to your life. If you're born again, then this is what you look like on the inside and you no longer look like this, okay? 
But there are still going to be areas of our life that maybe we haven't submitted them to God yet. Maybe we haven't given them fully over. Maybe those roots of that tree that you are planted by rivers of living water that represent Jesus, that represent Christ. Maybe some of those roots that belong to some of those areas aren't fully reaching into the living water. And they look a little bit like this. And God doesn't want that for any area of your life. He doesn't want you to be a dry old stick, okay? And the other thing is, has, have you all seen the Christmas trees all by the sides of the road? You know, everyone had this lavish, lush-looking Christmas tree. Everyone decided to get real ones this year. Not me. I love my plastic Christmas tree. And they... And I'm taking a walk with my dogs, and they're all out on the sides of the road, and they look amazing. They still look green. They still look vital, but they're dead. And in a few weeks' time, if they were to remain there, they're going to look even more dead because they're not connected to the life force. They are not happy trees, right? Because they look good now, but they're not connected to anything. I better stand over here and move my move my life-giving tree over there. Okay. So God wants um, our life to look green. He wants it to look fruitful, and he wants us to be thriving. So how does this happen? Okay. Happy is the man who chooses the right path. So number one, you got to choose the right path. All right. You've got to choose the godly path. Path. That is the only path that's, that leads to what God considers a happy life, is the godly path. Okay? And you would think that was an easy choice, but you know, it's not necessarily an easy choice. I mean, Moses in the Old Testament gave this rip-roaring sermon, the whole book of Deuteronomy, right? It's this, this wonderful sermon about following God and, and, and all the law. He reiterated the whole thing to the children of Israel. And he ends what he says with this. If you follow God's path, you will have life. He said, and these were his words, I'm going to put before you two pathways, life and death. Choose the godly path in every area of your life and you will prosper, and you will be happy, and you will be blessed, and, and you will have the blessing of God upon your life. Choose the wrong path, and you choose death. And he, he reiterated this, and everybody was like, okay, this one just leads to life, and okay, this one leads to death. And you think it would be easy choice, right? But, but ultimately, they chose wrong. They chose wrong, ultimately, now you say, what hope do I have? If, if those people who had this wonderful leader who was leading them and guiding them, it was him and then it was Joshua, both wonderful, amazing leaders. What hope do I have of choosing the right path if, if I don't have like that in my life? Well, let me tell you this. It says in Romans 6.6, 6, this is why you can choose the right path in every area of your life and you can do the godly thing in every area of your life and be happy. Be this in every area of your life and not this because of Romans 6, 6. It says, if the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he enables us to put to death the deeds of the body. 
He enables us by his Holy Spirit to be on the right path, to do the right things with our finances, to do the right things in our relationships, to do the godly things that the word of God tells us bring the blessing of God. He enables us. We actually have an advantage over the people who were of the Old Testament. We have the Holy Spirit not near us, not in front of us, not a cloud leading us from above, but inside of our hearts. He is as close as, look down, there. He is as close as that. And he's there to tell you, to help you, to lead you, and to guide you on the right path. Okay, the second thing to do in God's um, recipe for a happy life, choose the right path. Number two, it says... But his, he doesn't choose the wrong path, this happy person, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Delight in God's word and meditate on it throughout your day. I think I probably slip that into every single sermon I ever preach. And the reason being is because it is the key it is the key that God gave to us in the word of God that says this will produce life inside of you. His word is his heart. His word is his spirit. His word are his intentions. His word is living and powerful and sharper than any sword that could chop anything up. That is what the word of God is. And you do, let me tell you something. Everyone thinks, oh, now... I've got to add the, the word of God now into my life, and it's so hard to read the Bible, and I don't understand it. First of all, at Family Church here, we, are, we want you to be blessed. We want you to be in the word, and we've provided a, a word on Sunday. We provide, there's Forge Bible School. Um, there's Connect Groups. Am I saying that right? They're Connect Groups still, right? They always change names, and I'm always one step behind. Life Groups, Connect Groups, whatever they are. Connect Groups. Be in these places where the word of God is going out, but for yourself to meditate upon the word of God, I really think if you find it hard, you need to take just like you would with food, little segments, find a verse. You can do that. A verse, one verse that pertains to something in your life. And for a whole week, just think about that verse, that one verse. I tell you, you will get more life out of that one verse verse, the living word of God, the breath of God on that word than you would out of reading and reading and reading and finding it difficult to understand. If that's where you're at now, let that be your version of meditation, and that is okay. The point here is be in the word. Think about it in the morning. Think about it in the evening. Think about it when you're out walking. Think about it while you're at the gym. It'll produce life inside of you. And you don't have to be like this in your finances. You don't have to be like this in your health. You don't have to have a marriage that this sums it up. That is not what God wants for us. He wants you to be happy, and he's given you the recipe. Okay. Um, there's so much more I could say, but we don't, I think I only have about three minutes, and that's okay. I'm going to skip to this part. Okay. All right. So are you going to have a happy new year? That's the question I started with, right? I think... The answer is, you have a choice. 
you can choose that this year is going to be a happy new year, if not the happiest one you've had yet. You can choose because you've got two pathways before you. You know the recipe that God said would be, would be, would produce happiness, okay? But I know some of you are saying, yeah, but I still don't know. Things could happen. Bad things can happen. Let, let me just show you something I got right here. <clears throat> let me show you something. This is a plaque, right? Another prop, right? That I have had in my house for many years now. And if you can't see it, Andy bought this for me on one of his trips. He loves little things. And it says, says, and they lived happily ever after. Now, I've had this many years, and when Andy first gave it to me, I thought, isn't that a cute little plaque? But I wouldn't hang it up. I didn't hang it up for like a year. And you want to know why? Because I didn't hang it up because I was afraid. I was always thinking of the negative and saying, well, this bad thing could happen, and that bad, and what if someone I love dies, and what if this happens, what if I get sick, and blah, 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 blah. And I said, I don't want this hanging on my wall, mocking me when something bad happens. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. Ha, 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 no, you won't. You know, and, and so I wouldn't hang it up. I wouldn't hang it up, because I had in my heart, in the background, something that said, well, possibly you won't have a happy new year. But see, this is the thing. In God, happiness doesn't depend on circumstances. This is something about trees. Now, we're all that tree planted by rivers of living water, right? Well, in the natural, a real tree, right, the roots of a real tree actually search for water. And when there is a drought and when there is bad things going on in the atmosphere that it's not conducive to health for that tree, you know, there's, there's drought or, you know, storms, the roots of an actual real living tree know how to do this. God put this in it, that they reach and look and go deep, deep, hundreds of feet sometimes, hundreds of feet, breaking even through rock and whatever to find water. And the deeper that the roots go, the stronger the tree is. So you see, what's going to happen for me as a tree right? When there's drought and when there's trouble, I'm just going to reach deeper into that living water. I'm just, I've made a decision with God. The more the wind and the waves and the, and the drought and the whatever of life comes, I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper in God. I'm going deeper. You know, part of me used to be put my toe in the water and, ooh, it's cold and there's trouble and I don't want to. So I would, I would shrink back. And then, you know, but I've made a decision now that instead of toe dipping and when there's trouble, oh, I don't know, there's a little rock there, whatever. I've decided, God, I trust you and I'm going deeper. I'm going to places. I'm going deeper. I'm going to places that might scare me. I'm going to places where I might not be comfortable. I'm going, I'm, I'm willing, Lord, and, and I'm yours and I'm going deeper and I'm going deeper and my roots are going to go deeper because every time that the wind shakes and things happen, you know what? I think the devil, I'm, I'm kind of hoping on this, that the devil says, you know what? Every time I bring her trouble, she goes deeper in God. That's it. I'm not bringing her any more trouble. That's what I would like. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works, but it doesn't matter because you want to know something? 2024, as I was sitting on my couch, right, all dressed up to go nowhere because I was just sitting on my couch in my sparkles and whatever because I have no clue why I get dressed up to just sit in my living room with my husband and my daughter and her husband and watching, you know, 
Jules, whatever his name is, and his shenanigans or whatever they're called. <laughs> I never know, this music show that we, we watch every year. I'm sure I got it completely wrong. <laughs> Hoot Nanny, that was it. <laughs> um, I made a decision before 2024 even came. And I said, I'm going to have a happy new year. It's going, and you know what? I don't care wind or waves or drought or whatever may come. My roots will go deeper and the joy and the happiness of my life will be unaffected. You know, it will be unaffected. I made that decision before 2024 even came so that when the clock struck 12, I hit the ground running and said, I am going to be happy. I am going to be happy because my Savior lives, because I'm alive, because I'm saved, and I'm going to live every day. On the worst days, I've decided I am going to be grateful. I am going to be thankful for what I do have and not what I don't have. I have the Word of God, which is alive, and it feeds me, and I am on the godly path. And the promise of God is that this is me. And you know what? When 2025 comes, when I'm sitting there in my sparkles on my couch, waiting for 2025 come, right? I've already made a decision that 2025 is going to be a happy new year. If God gives me 2025, you know? And if not, I'll be in glory. It's going to be the happiest happy of new years, isn't it? And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be happy. Bring all of your dry sticks this year to Jesus. Find a promise and get on the godly path. Say, I want, to, I want God this year. I want him. I am on the godly path with my guide, the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me. And I'm going to bring all my dry sticks, all the terrible things of my life, all the things that aren't too pretty, that aren't flourishing. I'm going to bring them to Jesus and I'm going to get my roots stuck down deep and I'm going to allow him to fix me so that when 2025 comes, I look a lot more like this in those areas of my life. Amen. There you go. Now, you know what? I, I talked about flourishing in every area of your life, but the main area you need to flourish in is in your salvation. You need to get the, do the first thing that that happy man does, get on the path. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't have a relationship with God through his son Jesus, you're not on the godly path, but the good news is you can get on that godly path right now. It doesn't, you don't have to wait. You don't have to do any kind of big things. Or You just have to say, yes, that's what I want. Yes, that's what I want. That's all you have to say is make a choice. So what we're going to do right now is close our eyes, everybody, and we're going to bow our heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And, at the, and you repeat after me. If you mean this prayer, say it with your heart. Okay? So let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, I come to you. And I want your son Jesus in my life. I want to be on the godly path. I want Jesus in my life to forgive all of my sins. I want to receive his new life and be alive on the inside like that beautiful tree and not a dead stick. Jesus, I want you. I need you. Amen.
Amen. Now keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, nobody's looking around. Could you raise your hand, please, so that I can see it? Just me. Is there anyone here? Oh, there are a few hands. Okay, that's beautiful. Okay, we could all, you can put your hand down now and you can, you can lift your head up now and, and look forward. Now, anyone who said that prayer and, and said it for the first time to receive God in their life, to get on that right path, at the end of the service, please go back and we have some stuff for you. And we have people who would love to talk to you right back there where it says best decision ever, because it was, it was. And you can go back there and, um, and have a little chat with some of our, some of our people back there who um, would love to bless you. Anyway, it's the end now. There we go. I hope that some of you are going to do what I said and have a happy, happy new year this year. I'm going to bless you on your way out. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Happy new year. Woo!